Welcome to the Organic Wine Podcast. Hello, this is Adam Huss coming to you from Los Angeles. Thanks for listening. Kiara Rose Shannon is a California-based advanced sommelier, certified yoga instructor, and mindfulness practitioner. And she's also known as the Yogi Sommelier. Her unique approach to mindful wine tasting and combining the principles and practices of yoga with wine have been featured in the Wall Street Journal. Kiara believes in wine as a part of a healthy, balanced, and meaningful lifestyle. Her wellness-informed approach to wine education integrates principles of yoga, mindfulness, and traditional sommelier training on top of a deep working knowledge informed by many years in the industry. An advocate for environmental sustainability, Kiara has niche expertise in organic, biodynamic, and natural wines, and sourcing sustainable alternatives within the three-tier system. What is the connection between yoga and wine, you may ask? Well, the word connection is actually the key to answering that question. As we talk, I think you'll find that the way Kiara approaches this question provides a perspective that is much broader and deeper than either yoga or wine. Enjoy. Hi, Kiara. Thanks for joining. Hey, Adam. Pleasure to be here as always. Um, it is a pleasure. And I I just want to jump in and say, you know, let's talk about the uniqueness that is you. <laughs> um, you like you have a brand, but it's also part of, you know, who you are, the yogi sommelier. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what, what you do in your life right now? How did you arrive at this place and 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 uh Talk a little bit about what the Yogi Sommelier is. Yes. You know, it's funny that you start with that because one of my favorite jokes um, about this is to say that if you could ever imagine two more ridiculous enterprises um, that are expensive and time consuming and don't guarantee anything, um, it's <laughs> don't pursuing, guarantee income or don't guarantee anything. anything, it's pursuing, you know, sommelier training and certifications and all that jazz and same goes for yoga teacher training um like two probably the most esoteric um, sort of (laughs) occupations you could think of um but but at the same time um i also like to say that you know like wine yoga or you could say yoga and wine have been altering states of consciousness in humans since the beginning of time, or at least since the beginning Ooh. of when we can remember. So there is, yeah, there's a lot there. Um, so on the one hand, it can be, you know, difficult to understand the relationship between the two or how someone could have both in their life. But on the other hand, there is a lot um, of similarity and I can talk about that. And I'll start with sort of explaining that I, um, well, I guess, I'll, okay, so I, yoga came into my life first. I started practicing yoga uh, shortly, you know, around the time of finishing college, so early 20s. And I wasn't, you know, it was just at the time considered, you know, I was just doing it to be, you know, it just seemed like it was exercise, it was relaxing, um, and I really liked the ritual of it, you know, just having a place to go, the same thing over and over again. This was in the early 2000s when Bikram yoga was huge and so that's that was that's a lot of people's gateway to yoga at least who are my age (laughs) (laughs) and that's the hot one right that's the hot one yeah and he and and that's sort of fallen from glory but um that's that's (laughs) there's a lot of information about that that people can look up 
Um, right. But um, but so but I really um, you know I found that there was benefits to to you know one thing that I will say about that practice of yoga is is that it really folk a huge a huge component of it is the breath. And so that is something that is foundational to all practices of yoga. And that is essentially foundational now that we're learning more about meditation and mindfulness and, um, and, and just overall wellness, breath and breath work is very important. And doesn't the word yoga come from like the word breath? Well, the word yoga, well, the, or something I've heard, well, actually it comes from, there's different interpretations of this, but the, uh, the, okay. the explanation that I was taught is that it means union or mm. actually it's derived from the Sanskrit meaning yolk, like yolking oxen oh, or something. And it means union. And essentially it is the union of the breath and the body, the union of the divine the mind and the, the body. Yeah. All, yeah. So it's kind of union on different in different uh, planes of union. Uh, um, because there's in yoga it's not just about the physical there's many different energetic um energetic levels that are taken at part of the practice um so so anyway yeah but but breath is a big part of it and in fact in the original practices of yoga when you read how it was developed in the ancient um texts initially um the whole uh, discipline of yoga was all centered around being able to meditate and meditation and the idea of doing all of these series of poses which are called asanas was not something that was part of the original um, mm. recipe <laughs> and right. in fact it was only yoga is only mentioned once in the original texts the, the yoga sutras and it was essentially a way to prepare you for meditation or like take a seat for meditation. So this mm. concept of all of these, you know, and then over thousands of years, um, it has evolved to include many more asanas, let's just say, than just sitting. Cause actually, I mean, I don't want to, this is a long thing, but like, it, <laughs> no. it, I think that the, the ancient, the yogis figured out that just sitting is actually really hard to do. And so if you want to sit for meditation to, to attain bliss or samadhi um, for many, many, many hours, you actually have to be physically strong. And so, you know, have a strong core and be able to like mm. withstand the, 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 the challenges of sitting. And so that's, <laughs> uh, that's what I learned was kind of the explanation for how these different postures evolved um, to strengthen the body to prepare you for meditation. And, and so, um, so circling back to what I think, you know, that, that, that original practice of yoga, my, introdu my introduction to yoga with that particular practice did instill in me a respect for and appreciation for um, controlled breathing in yoga. And, and that's something that I, I still practice and value. And I think now we have, as technology evolves, we're learning more and more about how beneficial and important that is for health across the spectrum. So that, so yoga came into my life first. And then I, you know, I went to school in the Bay Area and after, and I was, of course, you know, a humanities major with another thing that doesn't guarantee any job, you know, um, um, right but, I love, <laughs> but I love to travel and I had, was 
I grew up around wine and I love culture and people and all these different things. And so I, being in the Bay Area and being near the Napa Valley and Sonoma, it um, became sort of a natural result that I ended up moving to wine country and working. My first job was in the office at Schramsberg Vineyards in Calistoga. Mm doing, you know, admin, answering phones, doing just every, anything that was needed and assisting the marketing people there. And so that was, so that was my first job in the wine business. And I, you know, moved to Napa and I really was, became enamored of wine country living and witnessing the cycles of, you know, the vineyards throughout each season and just diving headfirst into the whole industry. Um, so I did learn, however, that I was more interested at the time in learning about wine. I wanted to learn from, about wine from all over the world. I wanted to learn about all these, all the different varietals and I wanted to educate and, and, and pursue more of what at the time I saw to be a sommelier type route, as opposed to working in production or working in viticulture, um, which were which are a lot of the jobs at the time. Remember, this is still like 15 years ago. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't want to be a winemaker. I didn't want to, you know, work in in the production side. And so I decided to pursue my sommelier studies and go that route. And Mm -hmm. I never wanted to work in a restaurant um, because I like to go to restaurants. It never was attractive to me to work in one. Um, (laughs) And, and I, but I, but I, I thought I didn't really have a, you know, my long-term plan was to just become a wine professional and take these tests and, and go that route. And so I saw as a stepping stone um, along that path was the retail side of the business. Um, and so I, um, you know, it's funny, I'm currently the wine buyer at Mission Wines in South Pasadena, but during this sort of, let's say, this would have been back in like 2006. So this this um, big transitional time, I actually, my first part-time retail job, I moved back to LA. I'm originally from LA. I left Napa. I moved back to LA and I worked at Mission Wines part-time uh, under Chris to get, to just like get my feet wet in retail. And if anyone who knows Mission Wines and knows of Chris Miski, he was the OG sommelier in LA, um, the head sommelier of Patina Restaurant um, in the 90s, mm-hmm. and you know under Joachim Schlichal, and um, you know a big deal in the sommelier world. And okay. he, um, so I knew that there was, you know, I knew that there there was a path, and if anything, working under him would teach me some more about whether I even wanted to do this or anything. And um, so I worked part-time Mission Wines and that was my gateway into retail. Um, I ended up moving back to the Bay Area after a year and getting a job with K&L Wine Merchants. Mm-hmm. And I was with K&L Wine Merchants for about seven years. And lo and behold, during that time, they launched a new program called the Personal Sommelier Service. And so mm-hmm. I actually got to be a sommelier working in retail because I was the first <laughs> head sommelier for that program. I launched the program. I oversaw its 
you know, it take off and was able to grow it and shepherd it along during my tenure there. And I'm very proud of that. And it was, well, sorry. Are they still doing that? They still have it. Yeah, they still have it. It's a customized wine cup program um, where you you can sign up and get X amount of wines according to your budget with these various parameters and have um, either the head sommelier or your favorite staff person choose the wines for you. So it's kind of a cool okay. program. Um, yeah. And I was, so let's see. So during that time when I was with KNL, that was when I began studying, t- taking the WSET exams and studying and taking you know, getting the legit certification for the, the legit sommelier certifications. Because when you work for a place like KNL, you taste rigorously. Like they're very, um, very good about wanting their, all of their staff to be wine, very knowledgeable about the wines. And so we would have weekly staff tastings. I mean, I might, I, I kept all of my notes and it's like boxes and boxes. I mean, we're talking hundreds of wines a week, possibly. And with KNL, right. it's Bordeaux. Burgundy. This is not just like you know your run of the mill retail wines. I mean, old back vintages of old California wines, um, and and you're tasting with people who have been in the business since the 60s, 70, uh, since the seventies. Um, so, including the founders, you know, Clyde Beffa tasting Bordeaux with Clyde Beffa. Um, I mean, it was such a remarkable experience, and you know, probably a priceless experience, really, because. Yeah. Normally, when you if you if you ask a lot of people who work in retail, like that's not the typical experience. Like if you're working at Bevmo right. or something, like you don't get that, <laughs> you know. <Right>. So, <laughs> and if you're working at a small brick and mortar shop, you're not going to get that either because the breadth of the inventory isn't the same. Right. So, um, you know, so that was a really excellent time for me to develop my palate and to learn, and particularly for these exam- studying for these exams. So I learned though, and I've been practicing yoga all this time in my spare time, you know, more, sometimes more consistently than others, but it's always been something that I've done. And I discovered that while I was studying for the WSET exams that I, I discovered that I was, you know, able to my ability to focus and tune out distractions was really good. Like I could, I was really good in blind tasting. I thought, you know, I don't, and I was just kind of noticing that, huh, I wonder if this is related to practicing yoga because when you're practicing yoga, you're practicing, you know, not paying attention to what's going on next to you, tuning into the moment being with your mm. breath, all these different things that are kind of required for being successful in wine tasting. Because um, really, right. with wine tasting, the biggest challenge is to just not be distracted by the person next to you and to not be distracted by your own thoughts. Um, right. It's really just to be able to identify what's going on right in front of you, what what colors are you seeing, what are you smelling, what are you tasting, and also at the same time, what are you not seeing, what are you not smelling, what are you not tasting? Like I think that you know, our monkey mind <laughs> um, is so much at play when we're wine tasting that that's the biggest challenge is to understand what's the truth and what's not the truth. And that takes practice. Like, it's so easy to get sidetracked. Um, you know, you hear all, all the time about people talking about, oh, you know, I totally thought it was this, but then at the last moment I changed my mind 
you know, it's, and it's always something easy. Like I, it was, I so knew it was a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, but then <laughs> at the last moment, I just like changed my mind and I put like, you know, Sancerre or something else, you know, and it's right. always something like that. It's, it's like your first, in, your first instinct is usually correct. And then you get, you, you tr- your mind plays tricks on you and then you go down a rabbit hole and all that stuff. Right. So I actually think that, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, so I kind of started to think, huh, this is interesting. And then I noticed that I, um, was, I started to apply those techniques while tasting at work. So I can tasting and, and periodically we, there would be these blind tasting, uh, challenges Ooh. and, um, you know, someone would put like a mystery wine in the room and in a decanter and throughout the day, everyone would go down and like give their, you know, give it their shot and submit their guesses or whatever. And uh-huh. whoever, whoever won got to get a prize. And I remember that I actually don't even, I can't, you know, I actually don't even, now I don't even remember what the word was, but I, I won it. Like I, I remember, you know, going in and taking my notes and focusing and everything. And I think um, the, the ants, gosh, I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, I think so. They it ended up being like like a, Chile, a, a Bordeaux, like a Bordeaux style, a, like a Bordeaux style blend from Chile, like a 2005, like you know something like this. And my guess was, you know, old, you know, New World Bordeaux blend, you know, five years old or whatever. And it was something like that hit it on the nail. Nice. So I won the thing and I was that sort of that's <laughs> and I know and, and it was kind of cool because you know everyone in the store gave me you know high fives and I got one of those cool blind tasting um those blue <laughs> Riedel glasses you know like Oh nice. <laughs> A lot of positive reinforcement. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> but anyways, you know, it kind of set it in for me. I was like, you know, this really isn't about, you know, and I say this in the wine classes that I teach, anybody can do this. It's not about being um, better at tasting than anybody else. Um, this is a matter of practice and discipline. Right. And so if you are willing to like actually focus and pay attention, take notes, cross-examine your old notes, you know, eliminate things that don't add up and really, really just pay attention, you're going to get, you know, it's not rock. This is not rocket science. This is focus and discipline. And so that has been with me ever since. And, um, I find that anytime I'm, you know, trying to taste and I'm feeling distracted and I'm feeling scattered, I just, you know, take a breath and tune out the stuff that isn't help, you know, doesn't make sense or it's just noise in my head and just really zero in on the moment. And, um, it's never failed me. So I, I, and, and yeah, so I guess now how does it lead me to be in the yogi smell? Well, I have learned, I mean, my, I, I guess you could say I've developed a um, perspective on wine tasting and wine that comes from this experience. So I believe, like I just said, that anybody can taste wine. You know, they just need, you know, it's just a matter of practicing mindfulness <laughs> when you're doing it and um and it's interesting though simultaneously I have gone and pursued you know I've pursued my sommelier certifications sort of you know first and then in the next chapter I began pursuing 
my certifications going deeper in yoga. So I'm at the 500 hour level certification, um, which is like generally speaking, the the highest level of certification. I mean, I'm not a master teacher or anything, but you know, in terms of what you can certify, that's the highest you can get. And then, um, then beyond that, it's just hours of teaching and other other things that that you do. But I learn. I have learned through this path in my life so much more about different practices of yoga and. Um, different techniques and tools and mindfulness that it all is kind of circling back to inform my perspective as a, as a wine professional. So everything has gradually become very, very intertwined. You could even say integrated or unified (laughs) Um, (laughs) to the point where now I, I teach people uh, mindful wine tasting and it's just my approach. I think it's, Rather than teaching people to look for specific things or that this tastes like this and this tastes like that, I rather teach people to understand their own tasting experience and to be able to um, breathe, focus, and pay attention and to feel empowered in their own experience so that they can then go on and, and taste wine and evaluate it authentically rather than just recycling or repeating what other people tell them. I think that having a foundation to be able to do that prepares you to, to be able to, if you want to be a sommelier, that's an excellent preparation. If you want to be just someone who feels like you're getting more from your experience with wine or, you know, that you can deepen your appreciation, it helps you with that. So um, that's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm at now with the wine professional side of it um, in terms of my perspective on wine tasting. I also kind of been peeling the layers back along this path as, you know, we travel deeper and deeper and deeper, you know, one thing that you, if you're practicing yoga, um, you know, you, you eventually get to a point where you realize that it's not just about the physical postures and that there's deeper meaning. And so, you know, it's being a good person and, and be in giving back to society. I mean, there's all these different, um, let's just say limbs of yoga that open up. And I have had the same experience with wine. I have found that my path now, um, it's not just about, oh, this wine tastes good or this wine is rare and exciting. Um, For me, I'm now really interested in and, um, uh, you know, I'm just really passionate about like, soil and the end and sustainability and the people behind the wine and and the stories of of wine and kind of in a funny way like circling back to the the sort of spiritual or like the part of wine that we can't really find the exact words to describe you know (laughs) um and so it's kind of come full circle in a way because it's, it's more about that to me um, now. So when I, the types of events that I create around wine or the types of content that I create around wine is so much more focused on the people, the place, um, the story behind the wine, all of the pieces that go into it down to the microbiological level that 
and, and, and so you could also say the same thing about my yoga practice. So it's, it's funny. It's like, they are totally related in my world. Um, but I like sharing that with others. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's how I've become the yogi sommelier. And it's funny because a lot of people think, oh, yoga and wine, you know, either they don't see them as going together or they, they've, you know, now when I started doing yoga and wine or, you know, wellness related wine events, gosh, almost 10 years ago, it was not very common. And, but now it's like every, you know, every yoga studio or every, like, you know, they're everywhere. And, you know, some people have judgments about that, but, um, you know, whatever. So, yeah. So that I, I don't teach yoga. I practice yoga. I teach mindful wine tasting, which is an, a, a technique of tasting and appreciating wine that comes from this so I guess you could say yogic or mindfulness um, perspective and oh yeah, celebrate, you know, the, the story of wine, the history of wine and very engaged in the environmental side of it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in. I have so many questions based on everything you've said, if that's okay. Go for I, it. Uh, uh, I, I was, you know, just listening to you and you were talking about even your first job in wine at Schramsberg and how you were witnessing the cycles of the season in the vineyard. And, and I couldn't help but think about how, you know, I think there are breathing cycles and cycles of movement in yoga. And there's this connection between nature and, and the rhythm of, of our lives. And I'm, I'm, I know that connection is because we've sort of talked about it, that it's an important aspect of, of what you're promoting with mindful wine tasting. And I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about what connection means, why it's an important part of that and, uh, and how is it meaningful to you? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny um, this morning as I was practicing yoga, I think about this a lot. I, I practice a style of yoga called Ashtanga yoga and it's um it's a very, it's a formatted style. It's a sequence, um, a lead sequence by a teacher. I practiced with an amazing teacher named Jody Bloomstein, who's, you know, a master teacher. And um, it's rooted in a, in a lineage. And so, you know, when you're practicing, it's, you're part, not just of the community of other practitioners that are doing it with you, um, but you're connected to the teacher and you're connected to her, my teacher's teacher and all of the teachers going back. And it's, um, it's, 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 it's all about connection, I guess, you know, connecting the breath and the body, connecting to the community, connecting to the lineage. And, and also, um, there's, you know, recognize, you know, one, I actually think it's very, it's very liberating to feel like you're not alone and also to feel like there's something bigger than you and that what you're doing is is for you but also it's for something bigger and it doesn't matter if you can't describe what that is or give it words I think there's something very liberating and at the same time empowering of sort of surrendering to 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 that which we don't know um to the bigger picture to the bigger story and that's something that I feel when when I practice I also it's also something that I feel when I am you know walking the vineyards with with the winemaker and and and, 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 you know, hearing about things such as, you know, vines that have networks of roots going back 
you know, you know, going down, you know, 50 meters and that they've, you know, that, you know, hundred, you know, hundred year old plus finds, um, you know, that, you know, outdate, you know, you'll have like one vineyard that's older than whoever's farming it. Um, and, and also the lineage, the, 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 the tradition of wine and, and the lineage of, of viticulture, it's, it's always tied. There's always some spiritual connection in some way, whether it's, you know, the family has been farming this land forever and ever and ever. I mean, and I don't have to say, you know, like wine is in the Bible and, you know, it goes back and back and back, but, you know, go, go hang out with any biodynamic farmer, for example. And it's a lot of spiritual talk because they're not doing it for the money. You know, they're doing it for the meaning because of, you know, greater purpose. It's a lifestyle. It's, it is a connection to the earth and to the sun and to the, the, to the cosmos that, 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 that their part, that they want to nurture and cultivate and be a part of. And, um, and so I, I feel it everywhere. Um, it's, it's, it's all energy work. Yoga is energy work. Viticulture and winemaking is energy work. Um, wine is the energy of the sun captured by the grapes, you know, by the vines, um, with the water drawn up from the soil and the energy of the micro, the, all the microbes. And it's transformed into something that we can drink and, and it's energy comes into our bodies and, transforms our energy and so it's like I'm, it, yeah i could that's just getting a little woo woo but like you know it's all energy and and we're all connected and you know one thing that i thought was really um you know a really clear way to state it i was on a wine trip with an importer two years ago in france and we visited a property in Caor in, in southwest france mm. where um they farm biodynamically and um, the woman winemaker was, is very much like a soil geek and, um, soil scientist and had, you know, goes to conferences in Geneva and different things. And, and was saying that, you know, we've always, you know, farming this way has worked and people have done it because of the proof was in the pudding type of thing without really knowing why. Um, but now we have the technology to observe at the microbiological level what's going on and, and learning the why behind the woo. So now we're learning the why behind the woo on the farming level. When it comes to soil, we're learning the why behind the woo on the microbiological level on our, with our own bodies, with gut health and the gut biome and how, you know, the ancient um, Ayurvedic, you know, the, the, the ancient um, healers, you know, thinking about the connection between the gut and the brain actually were right after all. And um, also the why behind the woo with meditation, you know, observing brain, the shift, how our brain waves shift um, when we're in meditation and, 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 and different things like that. So, so now we have the technology to, to observe the why behind the woo. And seeing that everything is connected after all. <laughs> and then I'll wait, I'll make one other comment um, about that is, People talk about yoga as a practice, practicing yoga, practicing yoga, you know, practice yoga. And so like, what are we practicing for? You know, um, in, in the yoga world, you know, the answer that I hear and kind of what I think is that you're practicing yoga to be able to deal with life. So life is crazy. We're throwing curveballs all the time. There's no guarantees. Um, and you, how you, address all of, you know, how you address the challenges that come up on your mat 
helps you develop the fortitude and the mental strength and all these different things um, and process the trauma and process the emotional stuff that, you know, through your body that can help you deal with life better. So it really is a practice. Like the purpose of yoga is not to be able to do handstand or to be able to like do a perfect, you know, jump through. I mean, these are all actions, but that's not the goal. The goal is to be able to uh, deal with life in, in a harmonious and hopefully joyful and healthy way. And um, so. Do you agree with that? I totally agree with that. And in fact, it has never been more um, true for me since the pandemic happened because everything Mm. changed and I was, you know, able to had the time um, and the space to actually be able to practice yoga more in a more disciplined manner at home um, yeah. and and develop really strengthen this practice and it has been a lifesaver in terms of being able to cope with all of the challenges that we've faced emotionally like energetically you know no having that yeah. there to do having that time to to be focused and um, on my mat and sort of tune out the distractions of the world and just cultivate peace. And it's not always easy. You know, sometimes I barely even get there and it's just sort of like I'm going through the motions, but I have found even when you do that, I feel better and can handle like whatever happens after that. Um, And I kind of think, you know, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I don't farm. I have a little garden in the back, but when I talk to people who, for, for whom farming is their life, especially biodynamic farming, it seems like it's a similar thing. Like vineyard work is not easy, um, but there's something rhythmic and something very powerful and healing about going out there every day, you know, touching the vines, pruning, whatever the, whatever it is, the cycles of the work are. Um, Mm. It's very powerful and healing work. And, um, I think that there's something similar to these two practices. You know, I think that that's, I think we're all sort of on the same path (laughs) and, um, practicing in different ways. And, 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 you know, not everyone can, can do that. And I think, you know, you know, yoga is one discipline for people to kind of, to bring a little bit of that into their life, but there are many other ways people can achieve that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as somebody who gardens and, you know, farms or does practices of viticulture on a very small scale in an urban setting um it is it's it is uh for me it it, over time has begun to break down this illusion that i am this human who is gardening my lawn and i realize that you know i'm really inseparable from it like i have whole meals that come from this land that is grown, you know, in this little patch of dirt in South central. And I'm realizing that, that those foods make me who I am. I mean, that's, and I, I'm living because of them and that there's a direct connection and, and the microbes that are in the environment around me or the, are, are being consumed by me and being part of me and helping me, become who I am mentally and and in other ways. And you, you almost begin to be more sensitive to everything that's going on. A lot of the time, the work is just observing, you know, a lot of time you're going out and seeing what's happening so that you can 
learn from, yeah, from it, how you know, nature I, I, is. I, I, it's, I love that you just said that because, you know, if, if you could sum up, um, at least in the Ashtanga system of, of yoga, if you could sum up, sum up like the purpose and the mythology, methodology of the practice, it would be focus, <laughs> practice, uh-huh. so that you can achieve oneness. <laughs> you know, like the, the illusion, yeah. the illusion is that we are separate. Like that's right. the problem. And this is, yeah. yoga is part of the recipe for us to undo that illusion so that we can become one. And this is as it's laid out in the ancient text. So you just like said that as you're, <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Um, but I think in, in kind of taking that, that um, comparison, whether it's on your yoga mat or working in the garden or whatever we do, horseback riding, whatever it is that we do, um, that is the goal, I think, you know, cause we aren't separate and, and to think that yeah. we're, you know, to think that we're separate is the, the foundation of, of disease and problems, you know, thinking that we're separate from animals is, gives us reason to mistreat. And, you know, when you think about all these different things, once we start to go down this path of realizing that we are not separate from, from other humans, that we are not separate from animals, that we are not separate in all of these different ways. You know, I think it's scary for people because it becomes very hard to, you know, there's there's a security that comes with being able to put a little box around your life you know, mm, and, control, and yeah. to control and to be able to say, you can come in and you can't come in. And, you know, right. I'm this and you're that. I mean, I think there's like um, senses mm. of security that come with that for people, but, um, but it's not real. And the yeah. real thing is that we're all connected. And, and, um, and when, when, when we, you know, going back into the yoga stuff, you know, even in the classical system, even before you do postures, you're already supposed to have done the personal work of like taking care of others and taking care of yourself. <laughs> like step one mm. and step two, there's eight, you know, the eight limbs paths. So like, so you're already supposed to have, to, and then you can do, then it's postures and it's, you know, breathing and then it's sense, you know, sense control and all these different things. And, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's totally been my path too. Um, you know, even we rescued three dogs, um, six years ago, a litter of three, we rescued three puppies and, Mm. um, I loved animals before, but since having these dogs and since caring for them and all the ups and downs that have come with it, I've become so much more committed to like animal rights um, mm. causes and, and concerned for animal welfare. Um, just as with, you know, the, the more that I've learned about farming, uh, whether it's farming in my own yard or other urban farmers around here and viticulture, um, the more I've learned about, you know, the importance of caring for the soil and caring for the pollinators and all these different things. Like it's, I'm more committed to these causes too, and to advocating for, um, for environmental wellness and, you know, I, and yeah. that's a whole other rabbit hole. I mean, um, no, I mean, that, that's, I, I think we're already in that. Rabbit yeah. Hole. You can't, you know, the other thing I say too, is once you, at least once you learn these things, you can't unlearn, you don't unlearn, yes. them. you know, once you, yeah. once you, once this openness has been created or this connection has been created, it, you're sort of pushed into the next level. <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. It's been my experience, especially when I talk to people about wine. Um, you know, people who are, care about organic wine, 
come to me in the, in the wine shop wanting to try organic wine or wanting to learn, or they don't even know, but they care about these things. Like, oh, you know, I eat organic food. I buy wine, you know, shop at the farmer's market, blah, blah, blah. But they don't, they've never considered about wine in the context of organic. And when yeah. I introduce that concept to them, they're like, whoa, I thought, you know, they, whatever they thought, they, it never occurred to them to like think of organic as a criteria for, for making a wine choice. And in my experience with, with this, it's like an aha moment where you could like see the, the light go off and they realize like, oh, like I'm permanently changed. Like I'm not going to unlearn this. Like this, I may make, yeah. keep buying the same thing, but I'm going to think twice and maybe eventually over time, I'm going to, my buying habits are going to change because of this awareness. Yeah, that's uh, yep. Absolutely. So that's that. I, I, I mean, this ties into a question I wanted to ask you, which is sort of like, what is mindful wine tasting? Um, what does that, what does that mean? And how do you guide people through that? I mean, obviously you don't have to teach your class right now, but what, what are some of the things that you do? Because you brought up this uh, the sort of aha moment that people have, and I'm wondering if are, are those two connected, or is mindful wine tasting something that's limited to just the specific sensory experience of a wine, or or is it broader than that? And and yeah, I'll stop. Yeah, it's um. I'll let you answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I I, I infuse mindful wine principles and a lot of different things that I, you know, whether it's content that I create or, or with the way that I talk, but it's specifically in the mindful wine class. Let's just kind of focus on that. Um, yeah, I, I incorporate some principles of mindfulness um, in the, in the class. I have found in my experience that, you know, it, you, you, there are tools and, and, and techniques for becoming centered um, so that you can be more present in the moment and the, and the, the best gateway for that is the breath. So typically in a mindful wine class, I will start with a breathing exercise and depending on, um, depending on a few factors, sort of how things are feeling that day, um, that maybe the topic of the class, if there's a specific topic or if there's, if there's something, if it's a full moon, I don't know, like if there's something like cosmically that seems, um, to be like, dominating the energy I might choose one breathing exercise or the other but there's you know I'll start with an easy breathing exercise and and I found that every time I do this it's like it's immediately centering for me and then it feels like after I'm done everyone just like kind of sighs and you can like everyone relaxes and it's like oh you know I'm, I'm I've arrived you know and so that's always how it starts and mm. um and then I I take people through the steps of wine tasting, which are the basic steps of wine tasting that you learn in, in, you know, wine 101, you know, appearance, aroma, sure. taste, and conclusions. Um, but rather than give people definitions of what they should be looking for um, in terms of like, you know, this is yellow, this is gold, you know, I, I, I rather instead just invite them to observe and notice what they notice and um, allow people to have different experiences and hold space for that. So because taste is subjective and every, we all see things different ways and experience things different ways. And, and so um, I think that I've, and as you know, I've been in retail for like 15 years. So I talked to a lot of people about wine. I've sold, I mean, I thousands and thousands of hours of these types of conversations, but 
a lot of people are intimidated about wine. They think they aren't good enough. They think, you know, at, they've had an experience where they were wine tasting and someone said something and they didn't share that experience. And so they felt like they were stupid or didn't know. Um, and, or, you know, they have been talked down to by someone, you know, and so, um, in this class, that's, I'm reversing that. So people experience what they experience. It's all valid. If you see green, if you see yellow, if you see whatever, that's what you see. You can take notes. Um, and I, I provide suggestions for language, but I also encourage people to come up with their own language. Um, so for example, that can be really hard if, if you're, this is also another challenge. People say they don't have the words to describe and that's not a question of being a good taster or not. That's just a question of language. Um, right. So, you know, sometimes a good play out, you know, I, I include memories. So if people have memories, you know, I encourage that count, you know, that's part of the experience and, and we can use our memories to draw out the language. Um, and so, yeah, I take people through the steps and it's much more, um, deconstructed like that and it's open and inviting and usually at first everyone's really nervous and they don't really want to share but I'll typically do three wines and talk about the different steps and also like a little bit of what's going on behind the scenes um what what what's really happening when when we're looking at a wine um because we make snap judgments all the time and they can influence us so if you have had a previously bad experience with rosé, like that might be clouding your experience in the moment if it's a rosé, you know? <laughs> and so we're trying yeah. to we're trying to tease that out so that we can not have the judgments be there. Like they can be there, but we sort of put a pin in them and put them to the side and then continue on with just observing. And the same thing with right. smelling, you know, people uh, oftentimes might smell, smell aromas can be very triggering and can bring up all these things and also whatever. And so um, tools for you know, like I said, we're practicing. So in this class, we're going to practice whatever that is. We're going to practice like rec identifying it, being a witness. If it's helpful, you know, put it in one box. If it's not helpful, but it's there, we're going to put it to the side and keep trying to understand what we're experiencing. So this is the work of mindfulness. Um, mm. And, and, and so our mind, you know, people have this notion that when you're meditating or whatever that like the mind goes blank that's not what happens the mind is always active it's the work of being able to still be present and 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 continuing on with the, with with the moment with the meditation while all this stuff is going on um and so and so yeah so i think it's really fascinating you know a lot of people don't know that there's you know that everyone has different way you know we have the wine is the wine but the way that we smell it and what it triggers in our brains and the memories that it brings up and each person is going to be unique. Um, and then there's the language thing, like through, through having conversations rather than just me saying, Oh, this is what I smell. And this is this, I I'll make suggestions to people or say, well, you know, if you're, if you're, if first, if, you know, if you're remember, if, Oh, okay. So you're having a memory of being at summer camp where was summer camp? Was it in the forest? Was it in, you know, wherever? And then we can tease out, well, maybe it's like the cedar that you're smelling, or maybe it's the pine tree, or maybe mm. it's the campfire, you know, like, and so just kind of, and then if that, and then they'll be like, oh yeah, it kind of is like that. And then it's like, then I might say, well, a couple different words that can be used to describe and blah, 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 like smoky, you know, whatever, or not, you know, it just kind of depends on what people are responding to. Um, mm -hmm. And then, so then um, taste going through 
being able to differentiate between what we smell and what we taste you know smell is with the nose and also it happens entirely in the in the imagination <laughs> um taste right. taste is the facts like taste is what our tongue is registering through its you know through its through the taste buds um and so these are facts temperature you know texture is it bubbly not you know um bitterness sour all that stuff like those are facts of the wine um and and then being able to kind of assemble everything together and uh, you know I don't, you know, I encourage people to have whatever conclusion that they have, you know, even if they don't like the wine, you know, ask questions. Even if you don't like it, can you think of someone else that might like it? Even if you don't like it, is there a time in which you might think? So it's just like, rather than just being so like cut and dry, it's more of a yeah, mo present moment experience that I think ultimately lays a foundation for people to engage more deeply without judgment from like without fear of judgment, let's say fear of judgment and actually start to build the connections, let's say, between, you know, language and the memory and the experience to be able to, to have, you know, deepen their appreciation of wine, to gain the confidence, to be able to talk about wine um, in a way that they feel is authentic to them, to be able to um, learn some vocabulary that accurately reflects what they are experiencing, all these different things. And so um, ultimately, I think it's, it's an empowerment exercise. Um, it's fun. People inevitably, you know, going back to what you're saying, of how does it expand into a bigger, you know, we start with this very small action of wine tasting, but inevitably it always expands to a bigger conversation about, about life and about experience, about memory. Um, people usually have questions about the wines themselves. And I tend, I try to, um, incorporate or or, or focus exclusively on organic biodynamic and natural wines in these classes and then inevitably leads to talk what does that mean and so it always branches out farther and farther and farther um every <laughs> class is different it just depends on the group and what they what they're responding to what they're curious about and um i i, I always find that people especially when it's like just deciphering between smell and taste people will have an aha moment where they realize like what sweetness means, you know, or dry, you know, cause a lot mm -hmm. of people don't, you know, they'll have an experience and they'll, they'll say, I, I can, you know, I can describe, I see this in my mind, but I can't just describe it. And, and I think a lot of it has to come with a conflation of like what you're smelling and what you're tasting, um, becoming conf yeah, conflated into something that could be easily picked apart. If you could just say like, well, are you taste? Is it sweet? Like, are you tasting sugar or, or not? Is it just the smell that's making you think that? You know, because like floral aromas and different things can make people think something sweet when it's actually not. And so people realize, oh, you know, they have like these these moments where they realize that they figured it out for themselves. You know, um, and and a lot of people really appreciate finally learning what the word dry even means. <laughs> because a lot of people That's use wild. it without knowing what it means and are too afraid to ask and any other word you know i'll get this is a common thing in these classes is people will want to say you know I've, I've never asked this before i've always felt stupid but and then they like ask the question so um so yeah that's that's it in a nutshell i love that yeah it's i mean the thing about dry it's funny because some people mean i think a lot of people who are learning it's tannins is what they refer to as dry. It's the sensation um, of dryness, yeah, not the right, word. Right, that, that, yeah. that astringency or mm -hmm. something, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
That's interesting. Yep. Um, to what extent do you think preference helps or hinders the tasting the process? I mean, I know that you know. If you, I, I'm guessing because you've had this experience with with beginning tasters where the first thing is oh, I don't like this or I'd love this, and it's like how you know do you do you do you like that when people have that reaction? What, good or bad or do you try to steer them beyond that and to a place beyond judgment where they can just start to try to understand or or is preference yeah. help yeah, preference help you understand i would say i try to steer people away from i mean it's perfectly okay to not like it but that's not the purpose of the exercise so the purpose of the <laughs> exercise is to observe and to learn and to learn about your own experience and i actually think wines that are challenging for people can be very educational um, sure, because yeah. that's probably a wine that you don't really spend much time thinking about, but has something to teach you. Perhaps it could, perhaps this is your moment to learn what dry means, you know, like, um, <laughs> and so, and it's, it's, it's okay. Like, you know, I think sometimes people feel intimidated or like, again, like they, they don't want to do, you know, um, it's intimidating or they don't understand. Um, but it's, it's actually can be really fun to, to, play with a wine that you don't like knowing that you don't have to like it rather we're trying to understand what we're smelling what we're tasting and we're gonna try to perhaps maybe even find the language to describe it so that later that later down the road maybe if you're at a restaurant you actually know how to describe what you don't like <laughs> you know right um so yeah i think you know people have people will like or not like the wines but and usually in my classes even if someone doesn't like the wine but it's always something like well, I have to admit this wasn't my favorite wine, but I actually found that, you know, when I came back to it later, I noticed that it smelled different or when I, you know, I observed that. And so really it's the observation, um, the practice of being a witness of observing and sort of getting out of your head a little bit. That's the point. And so I think even with the wine that people don't like, they can still get that benefit and it is empowering. That's great. Yeah. I, it's, very easy to talk to you, I've noticed. So I think we have a lot in common. <laughs> um, but I want to, uh, I, I don't want to keep you too long. And I, I, I think I, a question I think is really important to me. I have many questions still that I'd love to ask. But I think just let's talk about what does health mean? Um, what role does health play in your thinking about both yoga and wine? Like what, what connection what Ooh. what does connection have to do with health? Connection, yeah. Well, um, like all things, I my my definition of health has evolved over time. I think you know when I was younger, there was a lot more of a focus on physical health. Um, you know, feeling like you're getting a good workout um, as it relates to yoga. But now, and especially lately, health to me is so much more in uh, like a mental health space. And, and what I mean by that is just a sense of balance, even when things are crazy, um, feeling like I have a balance between all the activities going on in my life. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's an important one, I think, especially when you work in the wine business. I mean, obviously, we're dealing with alcohol, we're consuming alcohol. Um, you know, our, our, it's a it's something that our bodies have to process, and then we have to allow space for that, you know, um, and have time for recovery. 
just like we have to allow space for recovery after we like run a marathon or whatever. Um, you know, balance is imp- very, very important. And I think balance is critical for health. However, that works for you. Um, you know, for me, I love to have wine in the evening. Um, I practice yoga in the morning. I don't like to have wine in the morning. <laughs> you know, I like to have coffee in the morning. Um, I So you figure out the things that, that work. I like to garden. I like to spend outside time outside with dogs. So it's like all these different things to me add up to like a healthy day or healthy life. Um, reading, you know, stimulating mental exercises. And, and so it's not so much about the workout part of it. Um, and, and also, you know, in the past I might've, I've, you know, I don't really care so much about like what I eat in the way that I might've cared when I was in my twenties. Um, Mm. so now it's just more about balance. I eat the food that I like. I don't eat the food that I, that, that don't make me feel good. And I don't count, you know, the calories or anything like this. It's just, it's all goes in. And then I, you know, you do what you need to do to maintain balance. And as you know, that's a big, you know, balance is important in yoga. Obviously that's a balance. It's a balancing exercise not just physically, but mentally balance is also huge and a big part of winemaking and viticulture. I mean, if there, could you find a term that is not used more? I mean, you know, whether it's talking about is the wine balance, whether it's talking about balance in the soil, um, you know, Mm. balance in the, the, the vineyard, you know, the vineyard itself maintaining balance. I mean, you know, I think that wasn't that Raj Parr's whole, uh, conference in pursuit of balance. <laughs> yeah, that sounds um, right. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of think in pursuit of balance really is the 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 word the, the phrase to to kind of cover all these things. Yeah, it's a pursuit of balance is health. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, um, how how could people find out more and maybe you know sign up to 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 do some mindful tasting with you or or you know learn more or whatever. How do you want people to get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. So I'm easy to reach through Instagram. Um, my handle is the Yogi Sommelier. Um, hey. And so just direct message me that way. I also have a website, theyogisommelier.com. There's a way, you know, there's ways to contact me that way. And of course, you know, you can email me, which I have. Um, my email is Kiara at the <laughs> Um, I think with the pandemic and everything, you know, I've like I, probably, I mean, any of those ways are great, but I'm, I'm pretty active on my, on, on Instagram. So if you message me there, that's, that's a pretty good way to get a hold of me. And um, yeah, we can, you can also follow great. me there because I post information about events and, and that could be another fun way to, to dabble um, without doing a full-on class is coming to one of my events um, and just getting meeting me and getting a sense of the types of wines that I like to showcase and, and just the energy of, of, of the experience. So yeah, those are, those are different ways to get them to, to, to participate. Yeah. I mean, do you want to talk about what we, where we just saw each other this weekend, the, that as an example of some of the events that you do? Sure. Sure. So um this weekend, this past weekend on Saturday was the second in a series I have co-created um, with the LA Vintners Association and Rose Hill Farm, which is an urban farm in LA called Wine in the Garden. And um, it's a summer tasting series showcasing 
LA winemakers on LA terroir at this amazing garden urban farm called Rose Hill Farm, which is here in LA and Montecito, Montecito Heights. And just bringing a little bit of that vineyard outdoor experience that we all love when we go to wine country, bringing a little bit, bit of that into like the urban wine experience um, and creating connection there. I, I, I've found that in LA, it's a huge city destination for food and wine, but a lot of our like food and wine experiences happen, or, you know, happen inside bars, restaurants, and since the pandemic, like at home, <laughs> where not all not all of us have, you know, gardens and beautiful outdoor spaces. Right. So, um, but even prior to the pandemic, too, you know, farm to table dinner at a restaurant. I mean, you know, we it, it, there haven't been events that have really brought together LA wine with LA urban like garden spaces and farm spaces like here in LA. So. That's the concept of it. And it's super fun. It's beautiful. You know, from one direction, you see Catalina in one direction, you know, Mount, Mount Baldy in the other. And um, this, and there's, it's interactive. So you can pick herbs and ask questions and, and just relax and have a good time. So um, the next one is going to be in the end of July. And I'll be, you know, if you on my Instagram and I'll be posting more about that. But that's certainly a fun event to, to check out. And Adam came on Saturday and had a good time. So you can vouch for <laughs> I it. Did. <laughs> I did. I can totally vouch for it. Um, I can also vouch for it. If, if Montecito Heights has the steepest hills <laughs> that are true. paved anywhere in California, I've been in, I've been on crazy hills in San Francisco. I've been in crazy hills in other parts of LA that I thought were like insane. And then I went there and I was like, I've never been on roads like this unless that were this steep and this narrow and this twisty, unless I was like off-roading in the mountains. <laughs> like yes. it was, it's insane. Yes. And the views are incredible because of that. Yes. Um, it's, it's a fun yeah, place that's, to visit. <laughs> it's an adventure and getting there is part of the experience for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kiara, thank you so much. I It's been really a pleasure to talk to you. These are some of my favorite things to talk about. So I, I, appreciate you being the person that w enabled it to uh, enabled me to have this conversation. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Adam. This has been great. I've really enjoyed getting to know you and um, it's an honor to, to be here and share some of my yoga story with your audience. And um, I look forward to more conversations. Definitely. All right. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that as much as I did, please consider giving us a positive review on iTunes or Google Podcasts. It really means a lot and helps spread the word. We're trying to get more of this podcast out to more people because we've had some incredible guests on here like Kiara. And we just think more people should hear about the stuff that is being said here because it's important for the world. And if you want to support the podcast in any other way, please consider buying some of our wine. Centralis Wine is our winery. That's c-e-n-t-r-a-l-a-s wine.com or at centralis wine on instagram you can follow us check us out we do a lot of cool little posts and we ship to all the states and you know i as i like to say our, our wine is actually very drinkable so i think you'd enjoy it <laughs> all right thanks for listening